Super Talk Mississippi media production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson with another edition of the Eagle Hour. Luke and I both at the First Bank Studios, of course, in Laurel and Hattiesburg. And we're glad you're with us this afternoon. Carly Malden is a new soccer coach for the Golden Eagles. I met Luke Dozer. She's going to be a guest a little later on the show. We'll catch up with Kelly Santer as well. And uh, we're about to uh, join Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center. Before we do, a quick reminder about Dickie's Barbecue Pit, our good buddies, Justin and his crew, uh, right by the mall in Hattiesburg. Uh, they're open seven days a week. They're serving up delicious food through their drive through window. And uh, also, they can set up a home delivery for you. Uh, had it over the weekend. It was just as good as always. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it, too important to support our local restaurants and at the top of that list for us of course is dickie's uh, barbecue pit among many of our restaurant fans all right glad you're with us this afternoon i i think it's fair to say uh the guy that's become the most popular uh guest on eagle hour and certainly the yes. guy getting the most comments letters and comments is back with us dr mark horn from south central regional medical center and doctor I, I can tell you there are a lot of listeners that look forward to hearing from you each and every week, and uh, and we thank you so much for your, your time and patience with us. Well, it's my privilege to be with you. All right, Doctor. I, I have to start every week, and we'll, we'll keep you for a while today. We're in, we're in no hurry to let you go. Uh, are we better off the same or worse than we were this time last week? You know, what you see depends on where you stand, your perspective. I would say we're a little better. I could understand people who would say we weren't. The reason I say we're a little better is because the governor issued a new executive order late last week, and our state health officer, Dr. Thomas Dobbs, issued a new health order based on the governor's executive order that allows the resumption on a limited basis of some outpatient of some uh, elective procedures and non-urgent office visits in person. Um, we have, of course, people may have seen uh, in, uh, on our Facebook page or uh, me on a WDAM uh, interview or may have heard by some other means that not just South Central, but hospitals and clinics around the state are beginning to provide more services than they have in the past several weeks. So I say that's a, a, a better position than we were just uh, even Monday of this week, or well, let's say last week. It's better than it was last week. Um, it, however, does come with some caveats and with some concerns. We know that our patients are concerned about, is it safe to return to your doctor's office? Is it safe to have outpatient surgery? And the short answer is, we believe so, and because we've placed uh, uh, not just us, but around the state, hospitals, clinics, and certainly here at South Central, We've looked carefully at our uh, policies and procedures, and we're following the guidelines of the Department of Health. We're doing an amazing job of sanitizing uh, our facilities. 
All of our staff continue to wear masks at all times. They're in contact with, uh, with in, if they're in public space, in contact with patients or other staff members, they're wearing masks. We wear masks in offices when we meet with each other. Uh, if I'm in my office alone right now, I don't have my mask on because I, my door is closed and I'm by myself. Um, but we're doing a really, we're really, really vigorous about making certain that we are protecting ourselves, that we're protecting our patients. So we feel confident about having patients that need to be seen in the clinic or need to be having procedures to have those done. Now, the other caveat is that the governor's order and the state health officer's orders reference what we call a tier system, a three-tier system that came from the CDC for guiding who can and can't or who should and should not be seen. And we are following those guidelines. So we're still prioritizing those patients who may have had um, we did several surgeries today, uh, people who've had kidney stones for several weeks that they couldn't get taken care of. Well, that's important. So we took, we've taken care of those. And I know that there were some other significant general surgeries of patients who needed it because they had a cancer that needed some uh, something done. And even some uh, other things that uh, may not be obvious or apparent that aren't as, may not sound as significant as those, we're doing those. The key is what you need to do as a, as a patient is call your physician. Say, hey, I need to be seen. Is this something I can be seen in the office? Call their office and let them help guide you. We know what we should and should not be doing, what we can and cannot do. It's very difficult, impossible really for me to in a few moments or even in written word let everybody know if they can or cannot be seen in person or can or cannot have their procedure done. There's a lot that goes into it. So we urge you to call that uh, physician that you're planning to have surgery, have do your surgery. Call their office. Call the, uh, if you're, uh, like if it was one of my patients, call her office and say, hey, I need to see Dr. Horn. Uh, when can I, is this something I can do in person or do I need to do it by telehealth? And at the same time, we're doing a lot of telehealth. So I think things are better in terms of the care that we provide. In terms of cases, uh, we're kind of flat. Uh, we're on a bit of a plateau. Um, and, um, you know, it is what it is. Luke? Dr. Horn, thanks so much uh, for coming on again. Just to follow up, you know, Dr. Dobbs, even yesterday, you were talking about the different tiers laying out there. Dr. Thomas Dobbs, our state health officer. Uh, and so, you know, talk about the importance of, of telehealth and how much, obviously, procedures can't be done. At the same time, it, people, if, if they're, they take advantage of that telehealth, they can really get what they need at the same time, not slow down the, the more important cases that you guys have been so wrapped up with. Telehealth is something, and I, I, let me start with the telehealth visit. What I, your listeners need to really know is if you're going to do a telehealth visit, A, I encourage you to consider it, and B, if you're going to do it, in the same way that you get ready to go to a doctor's visit, um, you get your medicines together, you take them with you. Uh, you write down a list of questions, perhaps. You're sure that if you want the doctor to see something, you dress in such a way that it's pretty easy for the doctor to see something, to see that, that spot on your skin or something. Prepare for your telehealth visit. Be sure that you're in a place that is quiet and private because you really don't want me talking to you about some of the stuff we need to talk about in the aisle at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially you Kelly. Somewhere, you know, I, I don't see you there. I don't have my office visits in the middle of Kroger. I don't need to be seeing you 
in the middle of those places for a telehealth visit. So it needs to be private so that if we need to talk about something, we can do what we normally do, which is talk very frankly about things. And uh, so I always tell people that history and physical, most people have heard of a history and physical. Well, the first word is is there for, it's first for a reason. You take a history first. You take a history, that's talking. Where does it hurt? How long does it? How long has it been like this? All those normal questions your doctor asks you. Those, the, the questions that may not make sense to you that make a big difference to me in determining what this may or may not be. So history comes first, and the history determines how much physical needs to be done. So that's the reason we want you to call the office. Well, what's this office? What's this about? Well, if it's a new abdominal pain or a new mass, well, probably I need to see you for that. I need to lay my hands on your abdomen and feel. There's some things that I need to do. But if it's for cough and cold symptoms, if it's a spot on your hand and you've got a good camera on your phone, um, if it's uh, a routine follow-up of diabetes and we've got recent labs on you and we're really needing to talk about do we need to adjust your medicines, if you've got a blood pressure problem and you've got a blood pressure cup at home and you've taken it and you want to talk to me about your medicines, we can do all that by telehealth. Because I'm looking at your records, and I know what you're taking, and you're telling me what's going on. And so uh, it's crucial that you get ready for the exam. Now, telehealth going forward, I cannot emphasize enough how much listeners, if they've had telehealth visits and they found it useful, we believe telehealth is going to be here going forward for a lot of reasons. It would take too long to go into. Bottom line, it's going to be here. Uh, in Mississippi, there has been real resistance and some rules, even nationally, from uh, Medicare that kept us from doing telehealth as well as we could because it would say you have to, uh, the site of origin, you couldn't be at your house in a private room talking to me and it be paid for by Medicare. That, we won't go into that, but that was the rule. Those rules have been suspended now. You need to contact your uh, legislators, federal and, st- and state legislators, and tell them they need to make the rules so that we can continue to have telehealth when this pandemic. These suspended rules during this pandemic, the, some of the insurance companies are already starting to try to rescind those rules and not extend them into uh, May or even June. Some have, some are not. And so we really need you to let them know. You expect them to continue to let us do these telehealth visits. All right, Dr. Horn, we're going to hold you over to another segment. Got a couple uh excuse me, a couple of kind of common sense questions we want to ask you that can help people through their everyday lives, and uh, we'll look forward to your answers. Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center on the Eagle Hour, and we'll continue on the other side of the break. Welcome back. Uh, Wednesday edition, I think that's right. Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Glad you're with us wherever you're listening uh, this afternoon, whether it be online or at one of our uh, Super Talk affiliates. Uh, 
Carly Malden is a new assistant soccer coach. She's going to be joining us a little later in the program. I want to continue our conversation here momentarily with Dr. Mark Horn. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Go online today. If you want some Southern Miss apparel, you can go to CampusBookmart, M-A-R-T.net. They've got somebody manning their website every day. They can take your order and have it delivered right to your home, and we hope that you will do that. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark Horn at South Central Regional Medical Center. All right, doctor, we're hearing we're hearing more and more and more every day now about states opening up, about the governments wanting to get the economy back rolling, including here in Mississippi. I think at the same time, it's fair to say people are growing more and more restless about being confined to their homes. In Mississippi, Dr. Horn, uh, when department stores are now opening back up, more and more businesses are being allowed to open back up. I think that I think the ob- obvious question is, is it safe to go to a department store? Is it now safer to go to your local grocery or building supply store? What what do you say about the restlessness and people wanting to get out and do something? So, this is a fascinating question with a very nuanced and layered answer. I'll try to make it as as quick and accurate as I can. The risk of COVID-19 transmission uh, remains. The transmission, means of transmission did not change. In other words, public gatherings and close proximity to other people, getting close to other people, remains the primary mode of transmission. So that has not changed. What has changed? Why are we opening more now? Well, across the country, there are places where the transmission is diminishing. And so that, along with the need, there's only so long that you can remain in quarantine. I did not realize that the origins of the word quarantine come from a Latin uh, word, which means quarter, that were 40 days. And, and so human beings are not going to stay quarantined or in total lockdown for extremely long periods of time. They just have they rebel at it so there's a compromise like life there's a lot of compromises ideally we would continue to maintain the uh, the the distract the uh, distancing and all the other things that we've done but economically it's become difficult to sustain so rational people our governor our state health officer not just locally not just in the state of mississippi but around the country and around the world and, are, and local leaders are beginning to say, what can our community sustain? How can we limit the risk and uh, improve our economy, uh, prevent further devastation? And there's, quite honestly, we've seen people injured by the quarant- by uh, these public, these stand-in-place orders because people would delay needed care and, and have a stroke that they refused to come in to seek care for. There are people that are increased numbers of suicides. So... There's an, eco- there's an economic harm. There's a physical harm of what, we, what we've been doing. There's a harm for loosening up too much, and we're trying to find that middle ground. What does that mean for individuals? If you need, the word need being operative, to go to the store and get something, make a plan, put on a mask, go take care of your business, and come home. Uh, should people go out on big shopping trips, just to kind of hang out in the, uh, at the stores and spend all day just kind of wandering around and uh, doing stuff? The answer is no, they shouldn't. People need to understand that we are still in a significant global pandemic that needs to be taken seriously. 
do what you need to do, um, take care of your business, and you have now more opportunities to take care of that business, whether it be health care or shopping, but take care of your business and go back home. All right. Here's another problem, I think, for a lot of people. I know it's difficult for us. Uh, You have an elderly parent that lives in a retirement community. Uh, The retirement community doesn't really want you coming in. I mean, they're making that pretty clear. You know, they they don't want a lot of people in and out of their facility. Are we still at a stage where it's just too risky to go get that parent and take them shopping or take them to your house or take them out for a car ride? Should we still maintain that distance with our elderly family members? Uh, The quick answer is absolutely yes. The slightly greater explanation is that according to the White House guidelines, the CDC guidelines, the governor's executive order, and the State Department of Health order, um, and just common sense, the riskiest group needs the greatest protection. Mm -hmm. And that is the last, uh, the two things that are going to be the last things to ease up are going to be large public gatherings, So gatherings where there are hundreds or people gathering together or thousands, that's going to be one of the very last things to happen, to loosen up. And the other one is long-term care facilities and people at high risk. So um, I hate it. Uh, I haven't seen my mom in about a month, Um, but I talked to her and uh, talked to my sisters, and uh, I just don't. Uh, it is what it is. Well, I'm following the same protocol based on what you've told me. I share with you, it's a difficult situation, and you feel guilty about it, doctor, but then you tell yourself, you know, I'm doing what's best for them. Yeah, and, you know, if you've got a, if you've got a smartphone, and if they've got a smartphone or a tablet or video, you can, you can FaceTime with them. You can... Uh, Duo, if you're on an Android, I mean, there are all kinds of technological uh, opportunities to get that sort of visual. It's not the same as giving them a hug, but that's going to be on hold for now. Um, it, you know, it's in just, certain yeah. circumstances, I could, uh, you know, if somebody is in the process of, of dying and we know that at this end of life, we right. make allowances <clears throat> for that. Right. But otherwise, I, I tell you one thing I found helps them a lot. Take them some really good food. Take them good food. Drop it off where they can eat really well, and that seems to uh, that seems to pick up my mom's spirits. I'll, I'll put it that way. Absolutely. All, all right, Luke. Three minutes left. Fire away at the dock while we still have him. Doctor Horn, what is it, it's been uh, speculated and tossed around? You know, the fear of a second wave with COVID. What is the latest on that front? We expect it. Um, if this virus follows the typical pattern of similar viruses, then the expectation is that there will be a second wave. The concern is that if we loosen up too quickly, we may get a second wave sooner rather than later. But we are making the public health officials, I think, are doing a fantastic job of trying to be very Solomon-like in dividing this baby and opening up now. I, I support the opening, the governor's order and what he's done. I support it. I think it's very well measured. Uh, but more likely, there is a very, very strong suspicion and at even an expectation that come fall and winter, this will uh, come back. That's the bad news. The good news is, rather than catching us off guard, we will now be on guard. We will now have time, a few months, 
from between the months between now and whenever this may come back in the fall and winter, we have time to get ready to prepare for protective uh, PPE production to ramp, ramp up dramatically so that we don't get caught flat-footed there. Hopefully for some of these studies of, of uh, promising medications and treatments uh, and maybe even preventions to come to the fore and be proven to be safe and effective. So hopefully we'll have more tools in our kit to fight the disease. We'll have more tools to prevent the disease from spreading. And we'll all have a much better idea. Maybe then we can focus only on the most vulnerable being isolated and those of us who are not as vulnerable being able to go about normal activities. But the general consensus is when we start seeing a downtick in uh, infection, that it, it will be several months before a second wave would come. It wouldn't be within a month or, or two months you would just see a, a, another wave come through, or is it just kind of unknown? As, okay, as a non-epidemiologist, I'll answer it that way. There are people who know much better than I. That is my understanding, however. Hmm. Okay. So we're making a little progress, I think, in summary, but we've still got a good ways to go. Is that right, Dr. Horn? Yeah, listen, we're, we're not nearly. I think we're much better off than we were a few weeks ago. Uh, we have a better understanding. We, uh, the initial shock and awe has uh, worn off. Um, we've all suffered together and grown together and um, I think have done well. And now it's this next phase. Can we open up safely? We're, we believe we can uh, in a cautious and staged and tiered manner. And as we do so, we need to be careful to pay attention to are things worsening, and if they are, to pause and reassess. And we are, um, both locally and uh, statewide and nationally. And get ready for what we expect to be um, in the future, which is another wave. Uh, we'll be blessed if it doesn't happen, but if it does, we'll be ready. All right, Doctor, we want you to know how much we appreciate you every week. We look forward to having you back uh, every every week and uh we hope you stay safe and we thank you very much for your time sir you're quite welcome thank you all right dr mark horn everybody from south central regional medical center one of the best guests we've ever had on this program and he just brings us common sense advice answers any and all questions and we're grateful to him for that all right we're going to switch gears talk sports when the eagle hour continues To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Always appreciate Dr. Mark Horn from South Central Regional Medical Center joining us as he has done for the last few months and great insight, great personality, and thankful for him coming on and sharing with you a medical wisdom as we continue to emerge from this COVID-19 outbreak. It is Wednesday on the Eagle Hour. Thanks for joining us. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty. From the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel, the third segment of the Eagle Hour, brought to you every day by our good friends Slade White and his crew over at 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street 
in Hattiesburg, home right now of the 895 curbside lunch every single day. Check them out on Facebook for that uh, daily special, the menu, the entree, and what they've got cooking up over at 4th Street. And we greatly appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Well, Bob, you always joke about uh, how the Redskins are you, maybe not joke, but uh, you talk about how the Redskins are an iconic franchise and I, I would agree with you on that but we all need to recognize that the real iconic high school in the state of mississippi is my alma mater <laughs> i guess west jones yeah and another piece of evidence to add to that is the brand new assistant coach for the southern miss uh lady soccer team carly malden a west jones mustang uh played at mississippi state started every single game in her career there played internationally in finland is named the brand new assistant coach uh for Southern Miss soccer, and Carly joins us now. Carly, first time in my entire life I've known you since you're a little girl. First time I've ever called you coach. So, Coach Malden, how's it going today? It's going great. Thank you for having me. We're excited that when we heard this news in mid-March that Coach Mo uh, was going to bring you on, I couldn't think of a better fit, and I forgave you. I joked with you after you left West Jones. You went up to Starkville, had a great career there. But what does it mean for you to come back and coach at the D1 level within 30 miles of, of where you grew up? Oh, it's awesome. Um, just getting the opportunity to coach D1, especially at Southern Miss, which is you know, not far from Laurel, so my family can support it, and I get to be closer to them, so it means a whole lot. Now, you were playing professionally in Finland, and I read somewhere where you were the, the player of the league uh, up there, and uh, you transitioned out of the playing career. When did all this start happening uh, when it might become a possibility that you would be uh, an assistant coach for Southern Miss? Um, well, I came back from Finland in October, and just trying to figure out what to do next, and uh, me and Coach Mo have always stayed in touch throughout college, throughout, you know, the professional years. Um, so, yeah, I talked to him, and then it was go ever since. So it was about, I would say, beginning of um, or end of February when we started talking. So it became uh, apparent pretty quick, and uh, we got the news uh, unofficially uh, a few weeks ago, and then it became official um, even last week. Uh, people remember you at West Jones. Uh, you you were a six-year letterman, which means you, you were a starter for uh, high school and, and won several state championships even at a very young age, and then you started every single game at Mississippi State. When you reflect back, how, do, how does the success you had at West Jones and at Mississippi State, how is that going to shape and help you as you coach the Lady Eagles? Well, you just learn so much throughout the years, and the players that you play with teach you a lot. So I'm hoping to carry that into the coaching side and help these student-athletes be the best that they can be. Now, one of the things that we know about Coach Mo, he's crazy connected, international. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you talked about you've known him for a while. He's pretty well respected out there in uh, across the soccer landscape, isn't he? He is. He's well known for sure. So, Carly, uh, has this always been the plan? Has has coaching always been in the plan for you? It hasn't. I, <laughs> um. I actually like wanted to be like a physical therapist and stuff like that for the longest. But uh, once I returned back from Finland, I started doing like little private trainings and group trainings, and that really showed me that I had a passion for it. I enjoyed helping 
um, people succeed in soccer. And so ever since then is when I decided that I should try being a coach. So I'm looking at pictures of you here, and you, you're pretty young. Do you mind me asking you how old you are? <laughs> I am 22 years old. So you were living in Finland at what age by yourself? I mean, that's not like moving to, you know, Hattiesburg. Yeah, uh, I lived there when I was 21, so I spent uh, half a year there. Was that a was that a good experience? Was it a difficult experience for you? Uh, at first, I was so nervous to go there by myself because I didn't know anyone at all. Right. And um, so moving there, I was nervous, but once I got settled, um, my host family was incredible. They treated me like one of their own. Uh-huh. Um, just my teammates over there welcomed me with open arms. And then just Finland itself is beautiful. So it was an awesome experience. Right. Uh, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I'd say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to turn you back over to Luke in a minute, but I, I ask the important questions on this show, uh, as you're about to hear. And, and now that you're a Golden Eagle, went to Mississippi State, is there going to be a bonfire for all the Mississippi State swag, or exactly how are you going to dispose of it, Carly? I can't have a bonfire, um, but I will move it to the back of the closet for sure. Very back of the closet, right? Very back. And undoubtedly, people have always already told you how much more attractive you are in black and gold. Am I correct? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Luke. Bob, you don't know her grandmother. That That's the thing. You just don't know her grandmother, okay? Yeah, so, my family yeah. would disown me if I burned my Mississippi State <laughs> I mean, it's when when you're at the hospital, they give you a cowbell. That's just the way the mullet works. No, I got you. I got you. I came from a Mississippi State family two years ago, Carly. So I kind of understand it. It takes them a while to come around. I, I certainly can can relate to that. Yeah, as long as they wear black to the games, we'll be good. There you go. There you go, Luke. <laughs> One of the things that people are excited about um, from your uh, with with the addition of you is because you know South Mississippi, not just South Mississippi. You know Mississippi. Uh, you have you're so well connected because you were a homegrown talent. Where is the state of of soccer in Mississippi, Carly? You know, in regards to Southeast, in regards to uh, you know the country. I think most people would acknowledge we're a little behind, but it sure has shot up uh, from the time that you started playing. Yeah, um, I would say Mississippi is a little behind just because it is, you know, it's a football state, uh, football and baseball. Um, but it's getting there. We're having coaches that are going through the, you know, U.S. coaching license that are learning the grassroots and learning how to prepare kids and be able to coach them to collegiate levels. As a little kid, were you, you know, who were some of your heroes? Did you follow women's soccer on a national level, and did that inspire you to, to, to play uh, high school soccer? Uh, yeah, I was a huge Abby Wambach fan just because, one, she was great on the field, and two, just her personality off the field. She's such a nice person. Um, and so I actually met her and when they played oh, in wow. Germany. We went to the World Cup. My club team did. And I think that was 2011. Um, yeah. And so we met her in the airport. And ever since then, you know, she has been one of my top favorite players. 
your generation was Abby, my generation was Mia. Uh, but you know, you think about what the women's soccer has done; it, it's been tremendous. All right, last last couple of questions for you. What are you most excited about? What are you most nervous about? Okay. Um, In regards well, to coaching the Lady Eagles. Yeah, I'm excited to get to work with everyone that's part of the staff and get to work with the players that are there. They were very welcoming when I um, first got hired. And um, I guess I'm nervous about, you know, it's going to be my first season as a coach. I have high expectations for myself, and so I'm kind of nervous to see how that goes. Well, well, we are really excited, me personally, and it's just another thing, and, and uh, everybody else can joke at me about this. Wes Jones, we turn them out, and you're evidence to that, and we are so excited that you are coming to Hattiesburg and right. being a part of uh, the Southern Miss Soccer Program. Thanks so much for being on the Eagle Hour today, Carly. Thank you all so much. And before we let you go, Carly, we want to hear you say Southern Miss to the top. Okay, you all ready? Yeah, but let's hear it. <laughs> So the rest, to the top. There we go. All right. We're, you're welcome now. You're part of the family now. And uh, we, we thank you for uh, being on the show, dear. Thanks. And yeah. thanks for being such a good sport. Thank y'all. All right. Eagle Hour continue right after this, guys. Uh, Kelly Sanders next. And, you know, Luke Johnson, we haven't talked about this, but I want to get into this with uh, Kelly and, and most obviously you. Your thoughts of Jameson Winston going to the New Orleans Saints. He is now officially a New Orleans Saint. You know, when he was at Florida State, uh, he tried to steal crab legs from Publix. I'm sure people will give him all the seafood he wants in the Big Easy. So we'll talk about it with Kelly right after this on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings us the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. ToyotaHattiesburg.com. You can search their inventory of everything they've got in stock on the lot at Highway 98 in Hattiesburg. We appreciate the support of Toyota of Hattiesburg and their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel and Laurel's own Carly Malden, the new uh, assistant coach uh, for the Lady Eagle soccer team. Bob, uh, I'm really excited, not just because I've known her all her life, but that is a quality a player, and a qu- she will be ex- exceptional in the recruiting trail to be able to champion the soccer program of the Golden Eagles. I'm really excited about her addition to Coach Mo's staff. 
All right, good Kelly to hear. John Sander joins us now. And, uh, Kelly, we uh, we were joking before the break. Uh, Jameis Winston, when he was at Florida State, um, you know, went into Publix and thought that, you know, that was they were just giving away seafood and helped himself and left the store. Pretty much sure now that he's in the Big Easy, anybody uh, may give him uh, however many crab legs he wants. So your thoughts on Jameis Winston, the newest member of Houdat Nation? Well, he obviously wants to be a starter somewhere, um, and if you're, you know, if you're looking, if if you're not going to be a starter anywhere else, then you go to a team. We'd be the backup to a guy who's forty, you know, forty years old or something like that. So, um, you know, we'll see how it works out. But then, where does that put Taysom Hill? You know, um, well, here's when, Bob and I were were just throwing that around. Do you think that they did that? And Bob, you can chime in on this too. We, we, Bob and I kind of felt like that that was so that you could keep Taysom Hill in his Swiss Army knife role. You didn't have to just protect him, keep him off the field in case Breeze got hurt. And and you also have to keep in mind the Jameis thing's only a one year deal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's only a yeah. one year contract. So, um, so as far as Hill's concerned, he could still very well be the heir apparent to Drew Breeze. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Because Jameis's deal is only a one year, if I'm not mistaken. And, and is that and is that because Drew only's got one year left? Maybe. I, I just I'm just not sure if they are, uh, you know they wanted some experience at the backup quarterback position because they, they're they're going to be loaded for bear and have a chance to com- compete for the Super Bowl. Um, so you know I think they just weren't sure if if um, Jameis was going to be a complete you know good fit, and if it wasn't a good fit, then they'd only have to endure it for one year. Right, and I think also they saw the value of having an experienced backup in the event the sure. the starter goes down. I mean that that guy came and did a great job for him, uh, Bridgewater, and uh, and you know when you got a forty year old quarterback Kelly, they're prone to get hurt, you know, and uh, of course, and now you yeah, got a guy that has a lot of talent that could could step in, and uh, and I'm sure Peyton can coach him up. And here's something that's depressing, too, Bob. They're already doing mock drafts for the 2021 uh, NFL season, and they have the Bengals picking second and the Redskins picking third. (laughs) 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 So even after these great drafts, the the mock drafts still have the Bengals and Redskins. We get no respect, like our favorite comedian, Kelly. What a Rod, crowd! What Rod, a crowd, Rodney. We our teams just get no damn respect, do they? That's right. They have the Jaguars, <laughs> by the way, picking uh, first in next year's mock draft. It looks like you guys, we may be seeing some Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is putting before its players' union a proposal that uh, would get baseball going perhaps as early as July fourth. Of course, the significance of wow. July fourth, Inde- Independence Day in America, um, which would you know. That would there would be some significance there actually getting back to the America's past time, but the proposal calls for no American League and no National League. All teams in the pot together, but they would only play teams in their ten team division. There would be an Eastern division made up of teams in the East, like New York, Boston, Baltimore, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, and again, there's National and American League teams there, but there would be no American or National League. It would just be done on geography. The Eastern division teams would play in Florida. The Central Division teams, including Minnesota, Milwaukee, the Cubs, the White Sox, the Cardinals, the Royals, the Rangers, those sorts of teams, they will all play in Texas. And then the Western you know, teams, pretty obvious as to which ones those would be, you know, the Diamondbacks, the Dodgers, the Angels, you know, teams like that, they would all play in, uh, in California. There would be no fans, and they would be hoping on maybe an 80-game season 
with playoffs. No uh-huh. word yet on whether they're leaning toward the designated hitter or letting pitchers hit. But again, the most important thing, no fans, mm. but baseball would get started July 4th with uh, TV contracts and so where fans would get to watch the games you know, on TV. But that's what it looks like they're leaning toward now, maybe an abbreviated spring training, summer training, as it were, for two and a half to three weeks. But we may be seeing baseball July 4th. Good for That's good for TV, just like if you had high school football with no fans, Kelly, it would be good for the radio industry. It would, uh, and again, I, I I hope I'm wrong, but I just I just don't see how high school football will be able to have a season without those campuses being open. Right. Um, right. So, right. but but look, you got to got to crawl before you can walk, and if we can get Major League Baseball at least going again, then it would certainly uplift the hopes of our country. Uh, right, and to do it on the Fourth of July would be awesome. That, that, oh, would, gosh, that would be yeah. great. That would be that great. That would really bring special meaning, particularly this year. All right, Kelly, let the hired help know you're off the air now, and uh, we will uh, we'll call you again tomorrow if, if you're willing. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, Bill Self and uh, Les Miles' pastry chef is, uh, is interviewing with me this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hire that pastry chef, Commander. <laughs> yeah. See you guys tomorrow. All right. Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.